are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker, that is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Tuesday here on the Steve Day Show podcast here on Westwood One, powered by CRTV. No, I am not Large Marge. I am uh, still Steve Dace. And no, I didn't pick up three packs of Marlboro Reds a day. I am recuperating from the twice a year sinus infection. And I'm at that stage where the antibiotics you really don't want to have to take and then you can't beat it yourself and so you finally give in. And they're like working really well. So I like feel so much better than I did yesterday. But they're also, they've, they're totally drying me out. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I'm hollowed out here. So you'll have to forgive me. Um, you may hear this sound uh, throughout the course of uh, this podcast the next couple of days. But that's okay because you guys are used to this sound when I get worked up. So you're used to being annoyed. This will just be a different sound that you're annoyed by. And it's because I am using Halls as a performance-enhancing drug in order to lather me up to the point that I can sit here and operate at even 50% capacity over the next two days. But have no fear. Todd and Aaron are here and more than willing to pick up the slack and and see that as get to talk more than I typically allow them to. I think I can speak for both of you on that, correct? I'm in full-on smug mode. I got your back, man. You're ready to go. I'm effervescing over here. <laughs> the best day at work, other than when I'm not here for these two guys, is the two days, uh, the two times a year that I go through this with my sinus infections in the spring and then again in the late fall, early winter, because it's like I'm not here. Because you, they know they're going to get to talk a lot more. Because I'm just going to have to. Normally, they got to pry this microphone from my cold, dead fingers. But these these are the few days a year that I'm like, you know, um, vigilance uh, before validation. And so I'm like, you know what, you guys are right. You're going to have to talk a little bit more. So I trust you guys to bring the smug effervescence to back me up here even more than you normally do over the next couple of days. And we love to know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is our email address. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. You can also follow us on uh, Twitter. And I already said that, didn't I? Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. See, I'm... We're just trying to drill the point home. We yes. Like Sailing it in over Should there. I mention that I want you to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter? Should I mention that, do you think? Have I thrown that in yet? <laughs> Yeah, and also, if our listeners want to follow us on Twitter as well, that'd be good. <laughs> so here I am with this long disclaimer about I'm going to try to salvage my voice these next two shows, and I'm repeating myself six times in the opening five minutes. So we're off to a great start here, guys. We're off to a great start. Uh, we also just wrapped up production for today's CRTV show. You're definitely going to want to check it out. It, it's the conclusion of our series on the state of conservatism. Uh, where we are in 2018 and where we're going forward in the future. And we started off with Ben Shapiro, maybe uh, the the biggest name in conservative media right now. 
Uh, and that was uh, one heck of an initiation. Part two, we went to Glenn Beck, who has become one of the most successful names in the history of conservative media, from books to television to radio, multimedia. And then we went to Eric Erickson uh, today, who did something that no one had done before he did it, which is turn a grassroots activism into a media platform with the, the, the founding of Red State. Essentially, for several years, it became the meeting place for conservative grassroots activists across the country online. And so we picked those three because, you know, Shapiro represents the now, but also the future of conservative movement uh, and or conservative media and the conservative movement. Beck represents where it's been and where it is right now. And, and Glenn will tell you, I don't mean to insult Glenn, so please don't be offended. Glenn will tell you, he's pretty, he, I think he even said this on our show last week. You know, I don't, I don't want to be doing this another 10 years. You know, he's got 50 other interests, okay? Uh, and I think Eric represents that sort of grassroots activist that is the core audience that we have been doing this for all these years. And so I thought all three uh, brought their own unique perspectives to the answers to those questions. And I think when we get back from Memorial Day, I haven't even told Aaron this, so I'm gonna tell him right now. I think when we get back from Memorial Day, we're gonna talk to CRTV about maybe packaging those three interviews yeah, as their own singular video package and putting yep. those out online for, we think that maybe those are interviews everybody needs to see. Uh, but we'll, we'll have that conversation maybe when we get back from the holiday weekend. So if you want to subscribe to CRTV, uh, here's how you can do it. CRTV.com is the website. Just use my name as a promo code for a discount. And that'll get you access to not just our show, but uh, also uh, the great one, Mark Levin, Michelle Malkin, everybody else that we have available for you here every day at CRTV. It's just a quarter a day. That's all it costs you is a quarter a day. CRTV.com, promo code DACE. That's D-E-A-C-E. All right, gentlemen, let's get to it with a Pop Culture Tuesday podcast. And this is when we look at the intersection between culture, or pop culture specifically, and conservatism. You know, we've had a lot of conversations in this, um, in this episode over the last few months and on the podcast in general about as conservatives, and if you're a religious observant or believing conservative, I think this maybe applies to you even more so. Navigating the influence of pop culture, given our value system, and the fact that the paragons of power within pop culture are uh, opposed at often, uh, openly, and hostile to what we're trying to conserve, the, the values and the themes and the morals and the mores that we're trying to conserve for this and future generations. And so how do we navigate this? And I, I think a, a rather unique dilemma in this question came up last week because it involves someone or a group of someones who certainly as conservatives, we would not endorse their longstanding political ideology whole cloth. We wouldn't say, yeah, that's our platform. But they, they have a unique space in that they're probably the most successful pop music band of this era, one of the most successful pop music bands of all time. You could make a case that when you get by the when you get past the big three, 
and maybe if you want to throw a Zeppelin in there, the, the, a big four, the four big British imports, the Beatles, the Stones, the Who, and you want to throw Zeppelin in there, maybe a big four. You can make, and those are probably the four most successful rock bands, period. History of the genre. You could make a case that next on that list is U2. I'm not, I'm not making that case right now. That's probably another podcast, but think of other, you can maybe make a case in Aerosmith belongs there, but there's certainly a case to be made after you get past those, those first big four, they're next. And what's unique is this is a band that from its very beginnings has had um, Christian themes core to its message. There's stories out there that they even flirted with originally being a Christian band. Um, really, one of their very first big songs, crossover hits on the Billboard charts, was Pride in the Name of Love. I mean, there are, there are several specific references to Jesus Christ in that song, including One Man Betrayed with a Kiss. And the, the gist of the song is about uh, the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. But um, because of, of the gospel was really the core of the driving force of Martin Luther King Jr.'s crusade as ministry, it is, when you go through the lyrics of the song, they're, they're sort of, they go back and forth between Christ and between Martin Luther King Jr. And I found a website last week that went through the entire U2 music catalog all the, the course of their career. And they found 79. Because I wanted to point this out because we live in this era right now where we are like, as believers, we're desperate for main pop, mainstream culture, pop culture relevancy. Desperate's a good word. Okay, it, I no. mean, we're desperate for it. And so we'll take a John and Kate who, who, who have a reality show about them and their eight kids and they went to church once and know a Bible verse. And Zondervan will sign them to like a, the biggest Christian publisher to like a three book deal. Yeah. And, and we'll put them on the cover of Christianity Today. 24 months later, their marriage is over. He's out hitting it he, because he was hitting it with a, the nanny or something in the back room from what I recall. Now isn't he like burning down heaters while he, while he waits tables at a restaurant somewhere? Wasn't the last update I saw on John a few years ago? And I have no idea. I don't know. I think Kate is like a Chelsea Handler wannabe. I don't know what she's doing now. Okay. But we do this a lot with, 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 with celebrity. We desperately want pop culture acceptance while as corporately as a church body, we desperately want it. And conservatives desperately want it as well. Yeah, that's why originally I was repellent with the whole Kanye West thing because this ain't my first rodeo with the first time some leftist celebrity says something that is remotely conservative and we turn him into uh, the next Rush Limbaugh and then he turns on us in like three minutes. We've got a few of those stories in our we past, do. don't we, Todd? We do. And so I was very hesitant to jump on this story for that reason. And then after I saw this go on for a few days, I thought, all right, I, I can't let my own bias impact my own opinion like I'm always accusing other people of doing so let's look at it more objectively and if in you know about a week after the story first emerged we went and did a segment on it on the Dace group and we actually kind of came to the conclusion you know maybe we don't agree with the guy on everything but he's willing to question some conventional wisdoms why make an enemy out of somebody if he's willing to at least be a friend right there's no point in making an enemy and then later on if he turns on us then we, you know, we, we take him out really you know but right now 
The dude's asking a lot of the right kinds of questions, so why should we be kicking him in the shins when he's bucking the progressive conventional wisdom, right? Okay? But but we desperately want Hollyweird and the pop culture we rail against, we desperately want their affirmation. I know there are plenty of you right now listening to this saying, well, I'm the, this is why I don't let my kids watch it. And, and I'm not really talking about you, but corporately, the American church and American conservatism is desperate to have pop culture acceptance. And, and please don't tell me no one cares what celebrities think when the, the guy that just got elected president and received more electoral college votes than any Republican had in almost 30 years was primarily known to Americans as a reality TV star and then the most successful Republican politician since Eisenhower was a B-movie actor. Don't tell me. Don't be one of those. Nobody cares what celebrities think. I, I don't know. Most, most conservatives right now, if they had to rank their, the top two presidents of their lifetime, Reagan would be one, space bar, space bar, space bar, space bar, and then because of how many space bars they'd have to put in, they would grit. They would grit their teeth, and hate themselves for doing it. They'd probably have to type in. <laughs> well, both of those guys are known. Were known to most Americans for their work in celebrity culture, than they were for Reagan being the governor of a state or Trump being a real estate mogul. So, pop culture matters immensely, and you too is not. The, the fact that there's a, a, a large segment of Christians across the West that have glommed onto their music has nothing to do with, this is not a case of, you know, uh, you know, is there, um, uh, is, is this, is, is, is the Mother Mary that Paul's singing about in Let It Be, is that the Mother Mary? No, actually his mom's name was Mary and she died. That's what that song's actually about. It's not about the Virgin Mary. But that's the kind of stuff we do that stuff all the time, right? We do that all the time because we want their acceptance. In U2's case, this website went through their song catalog and found 79 direct, who knows how many indirect ones there were, but direct references to Christian themes, Bible verses, scripture references, uh, church tradition, etc. 79. This is a group who has songs called Yahweh, <laughs> all right? This is not the case of, you know, um, Fleetwood Mac threw some reference to pray, praying on, the, on one track on the Rumors album, so, you know, they're one of us. It, it, this is not like that with these guys. These guys don't hide it, actually. And so... When they do something like what they did last week, I think it presents an interesting dilemma for us, gentlemen. Because almost if any, name, name any other rock band that you can think of in the last 10, 15 years on this planet of any relevancy. If they endorse the referendum in Ireland, which is trying to get rid of the Eighth Amendment, I think it is, to the Constitution in Ireland, right. which has protected life at the point of conception in that country from its inception, right? If, if any other band you could think of, any other band in pop music, put out a tweet last week urging the people of Ireland to vote to repeal this amendment, would it really be news to you, Todd? Would you really care? 
I can't think of one off the top. Yeah, of no, my because head, no. you'd be like, oh, that's par for the course, man. Yeah. It's like complain. It's like living in. It's like living in Scottsdale, Arizona, and getting up, and you're like, it's just too damn higher. Well, dude, you live in Scottsdale, Arizona. It is what it is. Aaron, can in your generation, can you think of a band that if they came out other than you two, very popular mainstream pop music act, if they came out and endorsed repealing the uh, amendment protecting uh, life in the womb in Ireland, would it offend you? No, I, it's, uh, like Todd said, it's par for the course. I can't think of. I'm trying to rack my brain, but I can't think of of one single band that that. That would surprise me. No, because, you know, it's like Rage Against the Machine once was singing about right-wingers and they talked about bulls on parade. We would look at this as total depravity on parade. We, we know what goes into this, right? Um, we know what Glenn Fry meant in Peaceful Easy Feeling when he said, and I want to sleep with you in the desert at night. They weren't talking about a power nap, okay? We know what that means. Now, in Aaron's age, they've, they don't do euphemisms, they're like, I really want to uh, penetrate you at 3 p.m. on a Tuesday. That That's basically the lyrics that you guys are listening yep. to nowadays, right? Okay. Yep. And by the way, and then the next line is, by the way, what's your name again? I mean, that's pretty much, <laughs> that's pretty much their music. We still did euphemisms when we were growing up. <laughs> All right. So we could like listen to this stuff in front of mom and dad and they were like, they had no idea. Them was the days. Yes. Nowadays, you can't listen to this stuff in front of mom and dad because everything's out in the open. Um, But with you two... When they do it, it shook a lot of people last week. I read several articles. I I wrote about this for Conservative Review. And in preparing for this article, I went and found several pieces from, well, I mean, you would would expect something like this over at Breitbart. That's sort of their thing is to to point out when people want to rebel against um, progressive, politically correct culture. But I mean, I found stuff about this at Christian Post. I found stuff about this. Several websites, Fox News did a column, a story about this. I must have read a half dozen different uh, mainstream big sites. And I don't know if people would consider Breitbart mainstream. Probably not, but it is a big site. And they all were quoting or citing direct references to the backlash this band, the band was was facing because they put out this tweet last week urging the people of Ireland, their native country, to vote to repeal the amendment in the, in the country's constitution that protects life in the womb. And a lot of it were pro-lifers and Christians that are like, you know, that's, it's one thing, we know you guys are like big government, you know, socialist kind of, progressive type of Christians, although Bono in recent years has given numerous pro-capitalistic statements and how capitalism is actually a better uh, solvent for uh, poverty than is, um, you know, welfare states, for example. But, and while politically, and a lot of them were politically, we may not agree with that, but now you're literally urging the the people of your country to do something in direct defiance of God's word. And I just told you that there's at least 79 cases where they have used the word of God to either inspire or fuel music that they produce and record that they're making money off of. And more than that, he's he's probably given the best modern day non 
pastoral defense of the Lord liar lunatic. Yep. Uh, argument than anybody. I, I mean, he's I been was unapologetic. It, was, it the, was it Rolling Stone or somebody he did that with? I, I if think you're so. talking about Bono, right? So yeah, he's. That's what really gets people. You you've put yourself out there you, uh, so aggressively. Just no people. A man really did rise from the dead. Yep. Yet you, this is a bridge too far. They don't get it. They, I mean, I've, I've 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 watched Bono defend the relational aspect of Christianity having a direct relationship with Jesus Christ. I've heard him talk yeah. about this. I went and found an interview, because before I wrote this column, I did not want to just be a reactionary right-winger. Like Even other though. days, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, didn't I say I was going to let you talk more? Um, I might reconsider <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I and, and I have a bit of a built-in bias here because this is one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. Seen, okay. I've seen him in concert multiple times. I learned more Bible verses riding in the backseat of Dave Dace's Dave Dace's car on I-80 in the summer of 87, going back and forth between Michigan and Iowa to visit family. We lived in Michigan at the time. And I was 14 years old and the Joshua Tree came out. And I had no idea because we weren't a church-going family. I didn't know, you know. And it was only years later that I realized when I memorized the the lyrics to, you know, remember the hissy fit I had a few weeks ago or months ago about I I still haven't found what I'm looking mm-hmm. for not being one of the top 100 songs of the 80s. Remember mm-hmm. that when I lost my poop over that? I, uh, yes, I do. Okay. There's like 15 Bible references in that song. I mean, those guys taught me more Bible as a teenager than anybody else did. And what's funny is, is that they went through this phase where they they kind of became very anti-Bush and very very leftist politically in the early after Actung Baby success, and then they tried Zootopia and stuff like that, and they, that and then they kind of in recent years as they've gotten older since that really we've gotten into the early since post nine eleven really since they did the outstanding halftime performance at the Super Bowl after nine eleven when they scrolled all the names of the dead remember that mm-hmm. how powerful that was. They've become even more overtly uh, religious. The Edge is now openly, and he doesn't talk to anybody. The lead guitarist, The Edge, is openly talking about, yeah, we are uh, Christians. They are, he's, Bono, I went and found an interview he gave Focus on the Family in 2013. Mm -hmm. Okay? And I watched it. Because I didn't want to just react to this. Because I probably have, if I have a bias here, because of the impact these guys have had on me since I was a teenager, I am more disposed to cut them the benefit of the doubt, you know? And so I, I wanted to see, are we, have we really just blown this band's Christian persona out of proportion because we are desperate for mainstream cultural acceptance or is this something that they openly embrace and discuss and it's the latter. They're very open about it. And so I think this case of them advocating for the killing of innocence, Bono has made... Bono isn't is not a leftist. He is an old style liberal. He's the kind of liberals we saw in the eighties, in the seventies, more, more more pro big government than we are, anti communist, pro dissident, anti totalitarian. He's not the leftist we see in our day and age. He, he would not be. Um, he would think uh, that Obamacare doesn't go far enough. He would think that politically. But he would also not be bake the cake bigot or anything of that nature. That would not be what they're about. And so I think this presents a unique dilemma for us in how to confront this. 
whether to confront it at all. Do you sit there and say, this is a, a betrayal, I'm out. Do you lo- try to you know lob public appeals to get their attention? Because, you know, I, I don't know who the big soccer star is in Ireland, but I would imagine Bono's the closest thing that country has to Elvis Presley would be my guess. Well, I don't think there's any doubt. So that's a pretty big stick they're swinging by throwing that tweet out there. And Bono has spent, I think I found a quote from a guy at the Southern Baptist Convention who's, who said that, you know, Bono has spent his adult life being a voice for those who don't have one. And now here he betrays those unborn, those innocent children in the womb who have nobody to speak up for them. So here's the dilemma, gentlemen. How do we respond to this? Because I think this is a unique case. Not where we're being co-opted. Not, not where a, a Darren Aronofsky is clearly doing Noah to, as a deconstruction of our belief system. That's an easy thing to say hell no to and, and hit back, right? That's an easy one. Or... How many times have we done the show or the reference to the script, the storyline of the movie Wonder Woman? And it has open conservative values, open Christian themes in its plot line. That's an easy thing to respond to. This is a little different because this is not some pagan in heat band. This is a group that is open about its faith, has probably been no more open than it has been the last 10 or 15 years, in fact. And. They're openly advocating, openly advocating for the murder of innocent children being permitted in their country, their own countrymen. So how do we respond to this? Todd, let me start with you. Well, even in the past when uh, Bono has said something uh, disagreeable about something pertaining to or Trump or anybody for that matter uh, and it, it, it's it's been sometimes pointed it's been sometimes starky but it he is always um, pretty measured in respect he's not hysterical in any way so I think based on that the general tone of his argumentation and what you just laid out as decades of faithful testimony i think he is owed uh a similar measure of grace i i don't really know the tenor of all of the feedback he's gotten but i think you just turn his measure uh of faith hope and love around on him ask him how he is setting aside these arguments even if they weren't explicitly about um the life issue Mm -hmm. uh, ask him where do these go for you to make this argument he's also been so uh uh as you said the the amount of uh theologians he's sat down and talked with appeared with uh well hopefully those connections are are still alive and well uh and he's hearing uh from brothers as you say iron sharpens uh iron hopefully uh that is at work i i i think and what it's the referendum is like any day now, Steve, is it not? If uh, is I, it next week, I thought I saw. I know it's coming up. Okay, pretty yeah. Closely. So yeah. I mean, time is of the essence, but there is still time 
uh, for this to be fixed. I, I, th- to the, if there's a full court press beyond that discussion, so I'd say uh, would say to them, this is not. The power of your testimony is still alive and well if you choose to. It, even though this was an error, if you clean this up, it's it's every bit as powerful, perhaps more powerful, than just coming out no in the first place. To to just humble yourself and say, I too have feet of clay. I got caught up in a moment. He's he's. I'm describing things There's he's done before. There's always time for a resurrection yeah. in the Christian worldview. Every he, time. He's talked about, just within his last couple years, how he kind of uh, went into his own heart of darkness. He had some a health scare. I'm not entirely sure what the specifics of the health scare were, but he said I had um, kind of like a Mother Teresa in her diary. You find out about her moments of doubt, but how the faith was stirred all the more. And he, he's had that moment. So um, life has been a little raw for him lately. Uh, you know, we all, uh, have we not all learned in the just the, the political cycle of the last two years about how we can kind of swing with mm-hmm. highs and lows? Nobody knows that better than you, Steve. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I would put on that full court press in terms of the timing of this moment that you need not let it leave here. Do you not understand? And, and it might not be a full-throated 180 the other direction, but he he can simply say, you know what, I um, I I went I went too far. I I I I would be lying to you if I didn't say I wasn't living in some gray area on this. But because I'm living in some gray area, I had no right to come out and pollute the testimony of an entire church, uh, and and the Lord that I believe in. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah, and it's uh, Friday. This referendum is on Friday. Okay. Um, I would ask one question, and I don't mean this to be snotty, but what was our response when Bono and you 2 celebrated Ireland's decision on marriage not too long ago? Did we have a response on that? I guess I was not aware of this. So they, they went through this before with gay marriage, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they've been pretty open about their about their support of gay marriage. Now that was like right before the Iowa caucuses, so I wouldn't, you know, it was probably off pretty much everybody's radar uh, back in 2016. Yeah, um, this is the first time hearing about it. Now here's my immediate reaction to this. While that is explicitly unbiblical as well, and clearly warrants the sort of response that Todd just articulated, in what we're talking about though, in this case, is something that directly results in the loss of innocent yep. human life. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, and it does so in a place which is the rarest of lights in the darkness. Yes. I mean, Ireland has been standing a post when the rest of the world has just gone haywire. There's no, there's no, you know, there's always time. For, I just mentioned there's always time for a resurrection. But unless the Lord, in this case of an abortion, unless the Lord miraculously intervenes. Once that sin is committed, there is no re- the victim cannot yep. return from it. Yep. The victim doesn't walk out of the tomb. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, I've done numerous interviews over the years with people who have walked away from homosexuality. I've never done an interview with a fetus who was aborted, a child who was aborted, and and then came back as an adult and lived to tell about it. I've not. I'd, that'd be one heck of a miracle if God performed that one, but He has not done that one yet. And so this is a clear and present danger. To human life, which, and maybe I'm wrong, and maybe you guys would disagree with me. I, I'm, I'm just to me that's a more of an immediate priority issue, but I could be wrong about that. 
No, no, I agree with no, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, I, I would also add this for some context about what I'm going to say. In um, God doesn't need Bono. He doesn't need you too. God's purposes will be accomplished regardless of uh, who uh, tries to get on God's side or who is on God's side because God is God. He's all-powerful. He is everywhere. So God's purposes will be accomplished. You too. He doesn't need you too. He doesn't need Bono because they're just so special and just so unique. And we don't we're not disappointed. We're not um, alarmed because you two and Bono are supporting this measure. We're surprised and alarmed because babies might die because of it. Yes. Yeah. So I want to I want to yep. set that context. That's a good point. Before before I say this, um, one, what's the difference between um, Bono, you two, and a uh, a preacher? or a pastor and two despite those differences if there are any which there are obvious differences but as far as the, the the work what they're doing and what they have for most of their careers defended and especially more so as you pointed out in recent years as far as the results of their actions are, are they really that much different than a pastor what would we say to a pastor or about a pastor mm-hmm. if they did something like this they were really well known and they really devoted their careers um, in the public eye in the public s- sphere um, saying some of the same things with the same amount of conviction as as U2 um, has and specifically Bono what would we say about that pastor I think we would be very We'd be very critical of that person. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not sure why we would be any different with you two. Mm. I, I don't... I don't. I think that's absolutely fair after I, Friday. I think there's just still time, Yeah. hopefully, to make amends. But you're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah I, so I, I just... I feel like if we are giving them extra measures of grace, which we should give everyone grace, but... If we're giving them more than we would give a pastor here who would say who did who would do the same type of thing, which I feel like we are, then we're falling back into the trap of desperation for mm-hmm. pop culture relevance. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's but that speaks to my point, though. He 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 developed a friendship um, with George Bush. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he has set an example <clears throat> of not just creating the other which is what progressivism must do that's, that's why, why i was trying to draw that distinction yes. be kind of between the kind of liberal right. he is to what we see today right which is i mean if we it, if we can't salvage a guy like bono it is even darker than we feared i mean if we can't break bread with that guy if we have to throw him overboard um, that's tough. That that's why I I lean on the side of especially before Friday, tr- in, instead of just simply um, burning them down, tr- trying to find a way. And I don't know what's underway in that regard of of getting to him, pricking his conscience. I mean, if a, a man genuinely believes 
uh, that a, a uh, man named Jesus was brought down from heaven itself to atone for our sins, mm-hmm. and and he it, and he, it seems like he does, and he it, yet that dying for our sins, that redemption, he's not connecting the dots. That that's not big enough to account for an unplanned pregnancy. I, 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 my heart breaks. Like you, you want to say, brother, right? You, you, it's right there, right? It's right there. And if we can't do that with him, who's I, I've been stirred by several of his uh, testimonies before. I, I, listen, we all believe in total depravity here. None of us are Pollyannas here. I, if the, if this. To is full-throated Bono here, it's it's even worse than we feared. We all have, if, if you're a human being, all of us have sectors of our brain we're not proud of. That may even manifest itself into behaviors and hidden shames we're not proud of for some of us. But the reason we're ashamed is because we're not proud of it. <laughs> all right? This is a case of someone openly urging his country to defy the word of God in the most blatantly destructive way possible. Murder your own countrymen. You know what I'm saying? I mean, murder your own countrymen. And so I think that makes this really difficult along the lines of what Aaron was talking about. Mm -hmm. It makes it very difficult to make sense of this. Yes. This is far worse than finding out that he's had a mistress all these years or things of that nature. Because that's, that is a part of the human condition. We've seen even great men of God. We've seen even church fathers, patriarchs of the faith in the scriptures succumb to these hidden shames. The guy who wrote most of the New Testament in his greatest theological work writes an entire chapter of the Bible about this duality of the Christian life that I'm describing mm-hmm. right now. Okay, Romans 7. But this is a case of Bono is saying up front the band is saying up front murder people in the name of God basically that's basically what he's saying that's what makes this really hard to reconcile with all the things you just mentioned right that's 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 a level of it's duality unsettling. that's a great it's word very for unsettling. it because it's a level of duality that most of us don't succumb to most of us can relate to the hidden sin most of us can relate to that. Most of us cannot relate to, uh, now you're going to openly advocate for your hidden sin and you're going to make everybody else sign on to it and enable it. And in this case, the result of it is we're going to kill innocent people. I, that's what makes this just very difficult to reconcile. Spirit of the age stuff. That's yeah. why I bring up the the support of um, of of homosexuality as well because these two issues are inextricably linked because uh, on on the one hand you're advocating for unencumbered um, uh, sexual deviancy uh, and on the other hand you're advocating also for um, essentially disposing or disposing of the fruits of that sexual deviancy Mm -hmm. Mm It's it's that is that is the spirit of the age that Bono and that band grew up in. 
Well, we'd love to know what you think of, about what we think about this conversation. We may even do a follow-up podcast about some of your responses to this next week, particularly because the vote will have been had and we'll know the results and we'll be able to see what, if any, impact the band's endorsement of this legislation had. So let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. Back at it again tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.